You're listening to the Morning Punch and Show with RBNJ live and direct for more cities and at Instagram models bio. Get ready for some boxing talk on the clock. Let's face it, you're not working and somebody's got to pay for the Wi Fi. Good morning, everybody. It is RBNJ. This is the Morning Punch and Show, the most unpredictable, unscripted, but always real morning boxing talk show in the game. Today is Monday, November 20th, 2017. Our special guest today will be world-class trainer Andre Rosaire, trainer of Danny Jacobs, Saddam Ali, and some others. Let me properly bring on and introduce my partner in crime, the creator and founder of BadCulture.net, contributor to Black Sports Online, Jay LaBeouf. What's good, Jay? What's good, RB? Good morning, everybody, and happy Monday before Thanksgiving. It's great to be back with you guys to talk a little bit of boxing before we eat too much on Thursday. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to get down on Thursday, and it's going down over here on Van Ness Avenue. Make sure today you are following me because I'm going to be at the Miguel Cotto Media Workout in L.A. Hopefully I'll get a few words from the man himself because Miguel Cotto likes to talk to people. So hopefully Miguel Cotto will like to talk to me. So make sure you stay tuned for that. What you cooking for Thanksgiving, RB? Girl, I I make really good ice water. That's what I said I was bringing <laughs> this year. I said I will make the ice water. Lock me in for that. I'm I'm not a chef. I'm not a cook. I'm the first one to admit it. I do a lot of great things. Cooking is not one of them. Well, your wings are pretty good. I like the Puerto Rican wings. Those those get down. Mm. Uh, Before we get started today, why don't we do a 10 count? Uh, This past week, uh, two legendary people in boxing passed away. Ferdy Pacheco, who was best known as the fight doctor for his years serving as Muhammad Ali's ringside physician. He died at the age of 89. And legendary cut man, the sweetest soul that I think I've ever Mm. met in boxing, Rafael Garcia. He passed away at 88. Rest in peace, men. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. All right. Well, let's get started. We're going to try to squeeze in some know it or blow it today if we have time and if we actually see people who want to play. It is brought to you by theboxinginsider.com. So, yeah, 718-508-9852. Press 1 if you'd like to play some know it or blow it boxing trivia with us this morning. Jay, there were some fights this past week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We had a, a packed fight weekend. Let's start off with recapping Thursday night, Golden Boy on ESPN Deportes, where Jose Martinez stopped Jesus Martinez for the NABO championship. The undercard was kind of lackluster, no shade, keeping it real. Mm-hmm. They were some keep right. busy fights. Not too much to report there. Not at all. Not at all. It it was there. We watched it. Nothing to buy a T-shirt about. So, again, I agree. Moving right on along. Moving right along. Friday on Fox Sports 1 from Flint, Michigan. This was a little bit of a weird one. Anthony Durrell won a technical decision over Dennis Douglas. Now, Jay, Anthony Durrell did suffer, did suffer a nasty cut over his left eye in the sixth round. Uh, which caused the ringside doctor to eventually stop the fight. Now, you know, a lot of bleeding. I don't know the pain that this guy was in. I'm not, I wasn't in his shoes. I'm not a fighter. I don't take punches to the head for a living. Uh, But as soon as the ring doctor called the fight, it's like the blood stopped. You know, it was like this little gash over his eye. Um, They called it an accidental headbutt. I never saw the headbutt. I watched it in slow motion a few times, I didn't see the headbutt. Would you see? I know. I I agree. It they came in closely. It looked like they kind of brushed back past each other. It wasn't a blatant like kaya and a hit to the head. And next thing you know, we were going to the scorecards, and 
I'm sure we'll receive a lot of flack for saying that, but if somebody saw something different, we encourage you to call in and educate us on it. But I didn't see the headbutt, and that blood was like, ooh, fight over. Let me jump right back on in his skin. And it was good to go. So I wasn't, I, I'm totally 100% with you. Anybody but Uncle Leon can call in. Is that his name, Leon? <laughs> Anybody can call in. Anthony, you can call in too. Anyway, in that yeah. same round, in the sixth round, the refs did take away a point from uh, Dublin for like roughhousing. And then seconds later, you know, that's when the fight ended on the cut. And Darrell was A-OK with it. You know, he wasn't like, no, I want to keep fighting. And look, this is where I get a little, like, turned off a little bit because, I mean, we've seen guys like Gabe Rosado fight through, you know, nastier cuts than that. We've seen way more guys, you know, injured and cut and bleeding and suffering. And he was just like, okay, I'm cool. You know, with that point being deducted in the sixth round, it really did give him the decision. Um, and he never indicated that he wanted to keep going. So that's what happened. But what is up with these Darrell brothers? I feel like every time they fight, there's like some controversy. There's like some effed up ending. There's like a way out. It's just so weird with these two. I know. The energy that surrounds them is weird. Every time I, I, I see them, I go back to the Saki Obika fight. It's always some, some yeah. shenanigans. Some shenanigans oh, involved, though. So. Whatever. Oh, the next go round. Yeah. So, uh, Anthony Durrell, I guess we'll see him again in about a year or two. That's shade because they only fight like once every, I don't know, blue moon or something like that. So I do feel bad for Dennis Douglas. I mean, he's been all over social media, you know, posting the video and, you know, just really saying how depressed he is about it, that he felt like the guy could have fought on. Uh, you know, I feel bad for him, but those are the breaks. That's boxing. So Saturday night on Bounce TV, okay, Ishe Smith versus Julian J. Rock Williams. Julian Williams scored the unanimous decision over Ishe Smith in a competitive main event. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought I could have really been a stinker. I was telling Mm -hmm. Jay that whole day leading up to the fight, I got a funny feeling about this fight. I don't know. I mean, I I really kind of thought it was going to be a stinker, but it was not. It was not. And when have you ever seen Ishe Smith throw so many punches, Jay? I'm trying to tell you that fight was pretty darn good. It's a shame it was on mm-hmm. bounce, but I mean, at least it was televised somewhere where you could watch it. It was competitive. There was action. There was adversity. There was bouncing back. It was really a nice little squab for Saturday night, especially before the yeah. holiday when the action kind of falls off. I, I liked it. Yeah, you know, I felt like Ishe had his best moments when he was letting his hands go and throwing combinations. I mean, he hurt Julian a couple times, um, but Ishe's a vet. He's a veteran, and it's not going to be easy fighting veterans today, especially when fighters are inactive. You know, the veteran fighters, they were used to fighting three, four, five times a year. You know, so they know how to grind it out. They know how to fight through adversity. He had a nasty cut. Julian, I mean, not Julian. Ishe had a nasty cut. He was leaking, but he fought through. Now, the good thing with Julian is he stayed composed. He used his jab to control the fight. He was working. He was working the head, the body, you know, and he pulled it off. He won a unanimous decision. I do have to give kudos to PBC on bounce because mm-hmm. I know we like to make jokes sometimes, like what is bounce, you know, what is brown sugar and all this stuff. But the bounce shows have actually been consistently good. Like, even when we think we're not going to like the matchup, it always ends up being entertaining, competitive. I don't really remember any, like, disgusting Bounce shows. I think Bounce is probably one of their strongest networks as far as their fights. Exactly. We, we've seen a number of fights. We saw uh, Robert Easter's fight. Wasn't he on Bounce? That was an interesting scrapping yes. card this past year. Um, keep going, Bounce. Maybe that should be the network. It might not be as accessible per se as the network where you can just flip your channel but there are some good scraps there we'll we'll call it the we'll call it bn sports only blacker that's what we'll call bounce tv <laughs> oh god if you don't have bounce you can download the brown sugar app or go on brownsugaronline.com and get yourself a free little trial and have fun with that but uh so anyway julian williams with the win good for him 
Also on Saturday from Bellafest on Box Nation, we had Carl Frampton versus Gracia Garcia. Frampton got the tough decision. I did not watch the fight, just reporting the decision. That's right. Just passing the news um, along here, kids. Yeah, but this week, before we get to Jake's take, this week we have Kovalev Shabransky in New York. On the undercard is Jason Sosa versus Gamboa. Um, so we'll have a little fun with that. We're going to preview that during Jake's take, and we're going to give our official fight predictions. So, Jay, why don't we close up our fight recap, go to a quick commercial break, and come back with Jake Donovan for Jake's take. For all the latest news, interviews, and boxing schedules, visit BoxingInsider.com, providing readers with everything from the latest fight schedules to interviews with your favorite boxers. BoxingInsider.com has you covered from top to bottom. BoxingInsider.com is looking for new writers. Think you have what it takes to join the team? Submit your articles to our team at info at BoxingInsider.com. Visit BoxingInsider.com today, the only boxing website where you become the fifth man in the corner. John Francis Agency is comprised of dedicated insurance professionals who manage risk, protect wealth, and cater to clients' personal and business needs. We offer disability coverage for boxers as well as life and liability insurance. Career-ending injury insurance along with illness insurance is also offered through our agency. For more information, please visit us online at johnfrancisagency.com or call us today at 732-497-9624. John Francis Agency, our daily grind is protecting your wealth. You're rocking with the Morning Punching Show with RB and J, and now it's time for Jake's Take. Yeah. Nice. Welcome back. She. You got an extended she. What's up, Jakey? Oh, yeah. What's going on? Hello, Jay. Hello, RB. Miss you already. Uh, good morning, good morning. Good morning. All right, so Jake, lots to talk about with you today. It's the end of the year, and that's when usually things are brewing for 2018. You know, everybody's kind of like a quarter ahead of the time. So <laughs> right. um, I want to talk about ESPN for next year because it was announced that Top Rank and Golden Boy have a lot of shows on the ESPN platform next year. And I think it was said that Top Rank is going to have 18 shows. Golden mm-hmm. Boy will at least have 24 shows. So Correct. talk to us about this commitment financially, quality-wise. Get into that with us and how it differs from, you know, what we've seen, you know, like last year. Absolutely. Well, you said the key word, commitment. There is a commitment for boxing on ESPN and its various platforms for 2018. This time last year, PBC had started to announce its schedule. Um, I know it intended to do shows on ESPN. It intended to do shows on Spike. When 2017 came around, all of a sudden, those series got canceled. So that's a big difference. Uh, Golden Boy and Top Rank both have firm commitments in place. Top Rank's deal is very different from Golden Boy. Golden Boy's is probably uh, closer to what PBC has in place. Um, some will argue that it's been a little better given how PBC ended on ESPN. Golden Boy still has a way to, to go, though, on it. But, I mean, if they are paying for the time, I guess they have the right to put on whatever they want. There's also not as much uh, stability as far as what network it's going to land on. Sometimes it's on ESPN2. Sometimes it's delayed. Sometimes it's just on, you know, ESPN3. Top Rank is far more stable. It's always going to be on ESPN. If a game runs late, it'll start on another network. But mm-hmm. ESPN, it'll always be on the, the main um, network. So that's the deal with Top Rank. Top Rank's deal with ESPN is ESPN is firmly behind Top Rank. They do though to promote the events, or at least they're supposed to. We need to see more of that because so far it's been a lot more Top Rank than ESPN. But, you know, ESPN yeah. needs to really start getting behind these events in 2018. But what I like about the Top Rank deal is Bob Arum is very cognizant of the audience. He's only doing one show per month in months when it's uh, football and college football season because he doesn't want to compete against mm-hmm. that. That's very smart. Uh, during the co- football offseason, it's going to be two shows a month. Golden Boys deal is going to be two per month. That's what it's been this mm-hmm. year. So that's why they have 24 next year. So top rank mm-hmm. deal seems to be they're not getting out of the pay-per-view business. Um, they haven't been in it this year. They're going to probably go back into it maybe later next year. They're going to use the ESPN platform to build up its audience and then turn these uh, boxers into pay-per-view stars and then start to go to pay-per-view route. Like, say, when Terrence Crawford wants to fight Errol Spence or a Keith Thurman, mm-hmm. those fights can be built up towards pay-per-view. Otherwise, you know, we're going to see, you know, pound for pound, the best fighters in the world fighting on ESPN in 2018. So let me ask you, why does 
why does it seem that Top Rank has the stronger network push from ESPN? We see that ESPN is, like, kind of promoting their shows a little more. Now, you know, they went all out for Pacquiao, and then everything kind of dwindled down a little bit from ESPN. But they do seem to have the bigger, stronger push from ESPN rather than Golden Boy. Right. Well, what I got out of it, once Golden Boy ended its lawsuit with with PBC – I guess they had the ability to go to ESPN. I guess that was a big concern. You know, they, they kind of mirrored Top Rank's lawsuit where PBC was freezing out the entire market. Once that was no longer the issue, all Golden Boy really did was mimic PBC's deal. It's, I'm not going to say it's an identical, but they have a far less uh, – ESPN is, far, is not, nowhere near as committed to it. Um, it's, I can't even say financial because they don't have any money budgeted towards it, but I guess on the promotional side, that was never – in their deal. They just said, well, this is what PBC did. You can have this. And that's what Golden Boy is doing. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's not. With Top Rank, you know, that was Todd DeBuff's big push. He wanted his uh, boxers to become superstars. It made no sense just to put them on a net, you know, on a huge platform like ESPN if they weren't going to be properly showcased, you know, whether it's fight night or fight week. So with Manny Pacquiao, though, it's, it was kind of like when Don King first brought boxing to Fox. He had Mike Tyson on. So, of course, they're going to go all out for the biggest star. After that, it just became a boxing series. So I think mm-hmm. Top Rank is doing a better job of making sure it's not just another boxing series. We still need that stronger push from ESPN. But, I mean, as we saw a week ago, Top Rank was very smart to follow the Alabama-LSU game because that's always the highest-rated game of the year. And sure enough, you had, you know, Austin Bevert to be in that awful fight that he had. You know, that mm-hmm. wound up being the second-most-viewed fight of, of 2017. So, uh, so that was very smart uh, positioning on, on Top Rank's part. The thing is, we need to see that they're going to start growing the audience in 2018. Because if they were truly growing an audience, they're showing us good numbers. But if they were truly growing an audience, then Jose Ramirez's fight would have been far bigger. I mean, because he's the far biggest star. We saw, you know, nearly 14,000 people, you know, for a non-title fight, you know, outside his hometown. That should have translated to bigger ratings on TV. He still did very well on TV, but it should have been bigger than the lead. And not just that, better be a benefit from Alabama LSU spillover. Because it seemed like uh, college football fans stayed tuned in, and then they just kind of tuned out once that fight stunk. Yeah. So top rank at ESPN, with this deal, they just need to really concentrate on building up boxing audience again, because that's what this is supposed to be all about, presenting it to a wider audience. Yeah, and talking about tuning out a little bit, um, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. When Golden mm-hmm. Boy came out with the ESPN series, they started out really strong, and then right. it seemed to go to like a crapshoot. Like you never knew – what the quality was going to be. And it seems right. like, you know, they're putting fights together that, I mean, they're, they're, they're okay. But you know, when you're thinking ESPN, yeah. how's the quality going to change? You know, what, what, what can we look forward to there? I'm not sure. I mean, as long as golden boy is doing everything, you know, in house, I, I don't see how it's going to improve and golden boy. It seems like they're always well-intended, but they really need to be careful when they call out people. Cause they were, you know, very quick to trash PBC. I mean, obviously, you know, there was the, the mm-hmm. whole, you know, feud with Al Heyman, but they're very quick to trash another promoter. I mean, for years, it was Golden Boy going against Top Rank, but then they wind up doing the exact same thing that, they, you know, like Golden Boy, when they first came out, they were going to revolutionize the industry. That never happened. They just became another promoter. At one point, they became a top promoter, but I, I'm not going to say they ever revolutionized the industry. And, you know, with this deal, it's really been no better than, like, PBC on its worst nights, or even when it's good for Golden Boy. It hasn't been any better than PBC on its best nights. So mm-hmm. they just need to fo- – Golden Boy just needs to focus on Golden Boy. That was a lesson they should have learned with Canelo and Golovkin, where Go- Oscar was so fixated on Floyd and Conor McGregor that he wasn't promoting his own event. So Golden Boy in 2018, if you want to make the series better, just concentrate on Golden Boy on ESPN. Don't worry about yeah. anyone else's business. Just concentrate on your own. Mm-hmm. I feel you. All right. So also coming up at the end of this year in December, yes. we've got a lot of fights going on in New York where it almost right. feels like New York has been a little oversaturated. We had the Danny Jacobs yes. fight a week or two ago. This week we got Kovalev. Then we got Cotto. Then we have Lomachenko Rigadal. It's like these New Yorkers, I mean, <laughs> they're going to have to pick and choose, you know, where they want to spend their money. And I think it's pretty right. clear where they've decided to put their money. We've got a couple shows tanking out there right now because I yeah. believe it's been oversaturated. I agree 100%, and especially when you do it right around, you know, the Christmas holidays, which, you know, it's supposed to be a holiday, holy day, but it's become a commercial holiday. So people are saving their money for that. They're not going to spend it on five boxing shows in the span of six or seven weeks. And even with mm-hmm. all that, you had Deontay Wilder right before then, too. So 
which was the best-selling event out of the, the four before you get to Lomachenko Rigondeaux, which is the only sold-out event. So, yeah, uh, with Kovalev, you never got the sense that it was going to sell well. You know, main events, you know, they had to get him a fight. So I'm not going to really fault him for positioning that fight. Golden Boy, I think this event could have been a lot bigger. It's Cotto's farewell fight, and there really should have been a much bigger commitment and making sure it's properly attended. I mean, this is the last time we're going to see a potential future Hall of Famer in Cotto. And hmm. this is now the second time where Golden Boy's had him at Madison Square Garden, and the arena's not going to be sold out. I mean, ticket sales are really struggling for that event. And their only other uh, venture with Cotto at Madison Square Garden was his only loss in the building, too. So, uh-huh. you know, they just waited so long in announcing this fight. And plus, he's fighting Saddam Ali. You know, no disrespect to Saddam Ali. He's a respectable welterweight. But now he's moving up to 154 pounds to fight one of the best fighters of this generation. So I, I'm not sure people are really buying into the matchup. And like I said, with so many fights to choose from, you know, they're not just going to throw away money just because it's going to go for Cotto's final fight. So it, it's a shame because, you know, Cotto's not the most personable guy, but he's had a great career, and I think he deserves a better farewell than, than what's happening here. Um, with November 26th, it's just – this event really could have wound up at Foxwoods Casino or somewhere else on the East Coast. It, it, it should have landed in a casino. It didn't have to be at Madison Square Garden or the theater. So mm-hmm. it's just a shame that, you know, Kovalev is going to be playing in front of an empty house because with Andre Ward retired, Kovalev is probably right back to being – you know, no worse than a top three light heavyweight. Many people will say he's still the best light heavyweight in the world right now. So mm-hmm. he deserves much better than what he's going to get uh, next weekend or this weekend, I should say. Yeah. Well, while we're talking yeah. about Kovalev Shabransky, um, mm-hmm. before we wrap up talking about HBO a little bit, uh, yeah. Kovalev Shabransky is this Saturday. And yeah. we'd like to get your preview on this fight. Okay. Um, I will say, too, what I do like about this show is that, um, and with HBO's whole schedule, is um, I, I like that Sullivan Barrera is going to be on the card, and it seems like HBO is really steering towards this in 2018, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute when we get to that segment, but that's really what I'm looking forward to with this weekend. It's like we're kind of getting a peek at what we could look forward to at light heavyweight. Kovalev realizes this in the main event. It was odd. He went into this fight not even knowing who his trainer was going to be. He finally named the trainer, uh, I want to say, less than a month ago. So I think he's, he knows what's at stake here. That's one thing with Kovalev. I mean, Andre Ward is just a different animal altogether. I mean, and even at that, Kovalev arguably beat him in the first fight, and he was competitive with him in the rematch until Andre Ward just beat the fight out of him. Mm-hmm. I don't believe Shabransky's going to bring that to the table. Shabransky has his own skills. He can punch. But I think Kovalev's power is going to be way too much for this kid, and I think he's going to break him down and stop him, I'm going to say, somewhere around the eighth round. Me and Jay, we're actually on the same page with that, too. You know, Kovalev's been, um, you know, more vocal on that. You know, he didn't take his training serious in the past. He was drinking. He likes beer. A lot of, you know, excuses where it's like, look, if you're a professional fighter, you know, you should have been living the life, and and you kind of weren't, and it showed in the ring. And so if he is back-focused, if he is clean, if he is dedicated and all, then, yeah, we're probably going to see, you know, some monstrous shit on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing with Kovalev, too. It wasn't some, just some hype job going into I mean, prior to the, um, the rematch with Andre Ward. But even, you know, that fight, he came right back and knocked the guy out. So, so Sergey Kovalev is a legitimate badass. And I think that's the mm-hmm. guy we are definitely going to see on Saturday night and for probably the remainder of his career. Because honestly, outside of maybe a Badu Jack, I don't see a lot of people that are going to give Sergey Kovalev a tough night in the ring. You know, at least in the next mm-hmm. couple of years. Maybe Sullivan Barrera, but uh, other than that, I, I mean, I wouldn't even pick a down to Stevenson against him. No. Wow. All right. Well, HBO. Let's yep. wrap up here. We're going to talk about HBO <laughs> a little bit. This has been a yep. really great segment today. Everybody mm-hmm. loves Jake's take. So there's some hope for HBO. As much as people are out there slandering yep. HBO, you know, a lot of people are really sour about it. They they really cut back their budgets. They had way fewer shows this year, but then they ended the year with like six fights in, you know, right. like eight weeks. So what's yes. that all about? What's, what's their whole theory here? Yeah, HBO seems to kind of do this every year. It's like people don't seem to pick up on boxing trends. Like everyone's always so quick to praise Showtime and Showtime had a great year. There's no doubt about it. They really went all in in 2017, but it always seems to be the same story with Showtime. They start strong kick-ass first half and then the second half like they had the july 29th show then everything was all about floyd then they had october 14th they picked up the overseas feed for anthony joshua 
Deontay Wilder, and then that's been it. I mean, it's really only been three primetime shows in the second half of the year for Showtime. So it's hard to say they had the best year in boxing history when the second half fizzled out the way it did. I mean, the shows that they put on were great shows, but mm-hmm. we needed to see far more quantity from Showtime outside of just, you know, the occasional showbox show. HBO does a better job of pacing itself. Um, there's no way to say that, you know, HBO had a better year than Showtime. That's, you know, Showtime had the far superior year. But I do like that HBO found a way to spread out its offense a little bit more. I mean, they had too many tape reviews going on, but they got past all that, and now they're going heavy at the end of the year. And they seem to do this quite a bit, where they, they keep their budget in mind when they're starting to um, load, up their, mm-hmm. uh, load up their schedule, you know, realizing that they want to start doing stuff at the end of the year. And they were smart to pick up, okay, Showtime's done on November 4th. You know, why not fill in those dates for the rest of the year? And that's really what this year has been all about for HBO. It's kind of picking its spots and finding the right time to put on a show. There's been the occasional night where they went head-to-head, and that was a little foolish. So, But, you know, with yeah. their budget, I, I think they made the, the best of a really bad situation because it just seems like boxing hasn't been a priority with the people outside of HBO boxing. I mean, this is, you know, they had the whole thing with AT&T was going to buy them out or at least merge with them or whatever. So there's a lot of stuff that's out of, like, Peter Nelson's hands and, you know, Mm-hmm. All the top rest at HBO. I think they made the best out of a bad situation. I think Peter Nelson gets a really bad rap. You know, I always appreciated the fact yeah. that he was the guy that fought to get Got- Golovkin on air, to get Chocolatito on air. He gets the, mm-hmm. the you know, it's, he's almost turned it into like the Boxing Hipster Network, which, you know, box, hardcore boxing fans are appreciating. And maybe now once 2018 rolls around, you know, hopefully the money can come back. You know, we can get some really good fights. But what I do like in the meantime is that we're getting, like, there's nights where, you know, they're focusing on the 130-pound division. There's, we had Superfly. Yeah. They're going to bring back Superfly, too. This weekend, we have two mm-hmm. light heavyweight fights. It's like they're staying cognizant of, like, starting to build rivalries within divisions. So that's what I like so, about HBO. They're not just focusing – I'm sorry. They're just not focusing on fighters. They're going back to focusing on fights and thinking a little bit long-term. Yeah, and I wanted you to break that down a little bit because you mentioned that to me the other day and you had me thinking like that there's a theme here where maybe they're concentrating on weight classes rather than just signing, you know, one-off fighters and just marketing a fighter. It seems like they're concentrating more on almost like a series and weight classes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Showtime was kind of teasing it for a long time. I mean, they've always had 154-pound fighters on the network, but they just never seem to really be fighting each other. I mean, they're getting champions fighting good contenders, but the champions aren't fighting each other. HBO, I think, is doing a better job. Like, Lomachenko's gone, so now they're focusing on the rest of the 130-pound division. You know, Andre Waters retired, so now they're focusing on the light heavyweight division. Obviously, they're all in on the super flyweight division. So I like that with HBO. Like, for years, the biggest problem, like, when Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather wouldn't fight each other, the biggest problem Top Rank had was fighting welterweights for Manny Pacquiao without having to constantly recycle which, you know, became the case. He fought Marquez four times. He fought Tim Bradley three times. You know, it's like they, he just cleaned out top rank stable. So, you know, with HBO, I think they realize that they can't just bring like a Canelo on air and not have anyone for him to fight. So I like that, you know, that they're looking to showcase more middleweights. Like Demetrius Andrade made his middleweight debut uh, last month. You know, it wasn't, you know, the greatest night in the office, you know, for, uh, for mm-hmm. HBO. But at least, you know, Andrade looked like a middleweight player in the future. So, you know, he could eventually figure into the mix once Canelo and Golovkin are done with each other. So it's you like know, finding said, the right divisions to showcase. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was, I was saying, back to Peter Nelson, um, you made a really good point is that a lot of people are hard on him, you know, because of the matchups or they didn't have enough fights this year. But you hit it on the head. People forget kind of what he did do. And that was yes. introduce Chocolatito to the mainstream right. audience. Bring us Superfly bring us Golovkin on a consistent basis where this guy didn't even know English at first. And we were like, who is this guy? You know, and he really fought to put Golovkin on air. And we could say the same thing about Crawford when everybody thought that he was boring, that he was, (laughs) you know, why is he on television? And Peter kept putting him on. So for all the shit that Peter does get, I mean, he's done a lot of good too. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the fact that even Espinosa are complete opposites in, in terms of, like, their uh, social presence. Peter Nelson is way off the radar, whereas Stephen Espinosa, I mean, he'll call people a cunt flat out. He doesn't care. But mm-hmm. the thing that people should really love about both of them is that they are both passionate boxing fans. They're not just corporate figureheads. Like Ken Hirschman, when he was at HBO, he got way too much credit for really not doing a lot. I think the best thing he did when he was at HBO was take all the money that they made from the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight, uh, the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, and invested into the second half of that 2015 schedule. That's why 2015 was so great for HBO. Otherwise, we would have seen this mess way back then. So, 
by the time Ken Hirschman bowed out, you know, Peter Nelson inherited, you know, a, a broken budget. And he's made the most of it because he loves boxing. He doesn't want to abandon the sport. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think HBO's had that for a very long time. They didn't have it with Ken Hirschman. They didn't have it with Ross Greenberg. So they had it way back with Seth Abraham and Lou DiBella. And Peter, once he can finally get some money in his hand, I think we're going to see that return with HBO. And Showtime, I mean, they're already going to start strong in 2018. So I, I have all the faith in the world that Showtime is going to remain strong for the future. I like to see him spread it out a little bit more and, and finish as strong as they start. But, you know, there's nothing to worry about, I don't think, with Asia Major Network in 2018. So that plus what ESPN has going on, you know, it's gonna, it looks like it's going to be a promising year next year. Well, thank you. And that gives us something definitely to look forward yeah. to. Jakey, it is 830 <laughs> okay. on the Pacific time. We are going to have to let you go. But thank All you right. as always for bringing us Jake's take. You, um, you're very popular over here. When you came on, our switchboard like completely lit up. So people are definitely well, tuning in for Jake's take. We appreciate right. you. We love you. Have a good Monday. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you, RB and Jay. Always my pleasure to be on every Monday. All right. All right. When the mind is ready, the body prepares for war. So next time you engage in battle, protect your hands with the best. War Tape, the original branded tape. Order yours now at wartapebrand.com and see why the enemy will fear you. Wartapebrand.com. We put hands on you. Champs Boxing Club and Fitness, bringing the city of Danbury a safe, clean, and professional boxing gym. Located on 128 East Liberty Street, Champs Boxing Club offers you more than five trainers who are all either current or former professional and amateur boxers. Look us up online at champsboxingclub.org for a full description on membership rates, discounts, and more about our facility. Also, check us out on social media at Champs Danbury. If you're ready to join, send us an email at cbcdanbury at gmail.com, and we'll get right back to you. Or swing by and visit. We look forward to you joining our team. Come see what all the buzz is all about here at Champs in Danbury, Connecticut. And welcome back to the Morning Punch and Show with RB and J. We're going to talk a little bit of in case you missed it news to get you caught up on anything you've missed during the boxing week last week. I'll start this morning with something that just happened. It's being reported that David Hay has been forced out of the rematch with Tony Bellew due to a bicep injury, not his toe this time. This time he's got a torn bicep. So it looks like the fight, David Hay and Tony Bellew, is off, in case you were looking forward to that one. That's too bad. David Hay is very injury prone. Maybe he wants to go on the show with Amir Khan. He's been on that show, too, I think. That celebrity get me out of here, which is a great segue to some more news you might have missed this week. Amir Khan is taking a break from boxing right after he just said he got back with his wife and he was going to take boxing seriously and write for it and fight four times in the next year. Instead, he's going to be on the British show, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And if you're unfamiliar with the show, it's kind of like Survivor, but celebrities kind of when they <laughs> might be past their expiration date or approaching the expiration date, they take these celebrities, they set them out in the jungle, and they let them do whatever it is they do. I'm going to tune in. You watching, RB? You want to see Amir Khan yeah, on, in the jungle? It, I actually kind of would. He makes me laugh. Yeah, we're watching that. We're watching that shit. We might have to do a weekly recap on it. That might be a fun segment. Anyway, back to the news. It was revealed that the big fight, we're looking forward to the big fight of Lomachenko versus Rigando that's coming up. It's been revealed that there was a clause in the contract that says that they cannot weigh more than 138 pounds max the day of the fight. So you heard it here. There's a same-day weigh-in check, and they cannot exceed 138 pounds, at, and that is on the scale at 9 a.m. the day of the fight. Very, very interesting. Why would they add that clause? Who's going to blow up RB, Rigando or Lomachenko? Well, you know, here's the scoop that I have on that is that when they first started doing the negotiations, Top Rank really wanted to put a weight limit in the contract because they didn't want Rigadell, you know, to have excuses the next day or say that Lomachenko blew up because, you know, Lomachenko's, you know, a weight class or two higher than Rigadell. So, you know, Top Rank was adamant, like, let's put a next day weigh in in the contract so we don't have these excuses, yada, yada. And, um, you know, Lomachenko's team was good with it because he don't really blow up like that anyway the next day. So they were like, yeah, that's, you know, that's no problem. But they just wanted it to be a really fair fight, and they didn't want there to be, you know, like any excuses. 
and one more before our guest tunes in. Fans of Katie Taylor will be happy to know that she will be back on December 13th. I know I'm a fan of Katie Taylor. I've been enjoying watching her perform, so she'll be back December 13th, of course, across the pond in England, and she'll be defending the WBA lightweight title against Jessica McCaskill. So we'll take a pause on the In Case You Missed It news, and we will now welcome our guest this morning, Andre Rozier. Good morning, Mr. Rozier. How are you doing today? Welcome. Oh, good morning. How's everyone feeling? We're good. Happy Monday. Uh, Happy Monday to you also. Before we get in and talk about your fight and your fight stable, I was reading an article about you that said that you stopped fighting when you were at the age of 16 because of blood pressure issues. Had that not happened and you were still fighting today, what weight did you fight at when you were competing as a teen? I was a light heavyweight. Oh, I'm not surprised. Me neither. So looking at the light heavyweight division right now, if you were still fighting right now, whose ass could you whip today? Or whose ass could you confidently whip today in the top ten if you were still fighting today, do you think? Well, well, if I was still fighting today, I'd be a little uh, longer, too. <laughs> so they might have been whipping my butt. But, <laughs> but if, if we matched up, if we matched up uh, accordingly age-wise, there'd be some – serious difficulties with um, all of those young men uh, facing off with me because I was a, I was a pretty accurate and hard punching boxer, AKA uh, just like my nephews are. And um, I was a student of the game and I was always in the gym. I, I never drank. I never smoked. I've never gotten high. So I was always ready to perform. Well, you're doing better than a lot of active fighters right now. We probably got you that. in there with a couple people. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it, it's hard. It's hard to to represent and perform in this sport if you don't take care of your temple, and that's first and foremost. And um, if if you're not living right, how are you going to fight right? That's just the bottom line. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, that leads me then to ask you this. As a trainer, how do you get these guys to take care of their temple and live a clean life and not, you know, do drugs or do the drinking or have, you know, sex during camp? Like, it must be so hard as a trainer because you want them to be the best they can be. So how how do you help them live the life? Well, basically, the first thing you do is you, you lead by example. And uh, if I'm not doing it, I can surely preach to you that you shouldn't do it. That's the first thing. Mm. And secondly, um, you just got to stay in in their ear. That's with anything else. Anybody that's doing something that doesn't present a positive or progressive uh, direction in their lives, you just have to keep atoning and and telling them this is not what you should be doing because – it's nowhere near going to help you progress in life. And sometimes that message has to come over and over and over again. Very rare is it the individual who picks up on information and says, you know what, that's good information. I'm going to listen to that. Unfortunately, we have to lead by uh, experience instead of example, and um, you just have to keep pressing it. That's a good point. So a couple weeks ago, Let's talk a little bit about Danny Jacobs now. You had this big win over Luis Arias on HBO. And after the fight, Arias said his foot was on fire. He was blaming an injury for his lackluster performance. John David Jackson was saying that Danny came in as a cruiserweight. He had an unfair advantage. It sounds like there was, like, a lot of excuses. Oh, without a doubt. First and foremost, let me address John David Jackson. I mean – I've, I've kept it cool in regards to John David Jackson for a moment. From the point of fact when he was working with my nephew, Curtis Stevens, but at when Curtis fought Lemieux and I saw John David Jackson just sit there when my nephew was laid on the canvas, okay. Okay. that was it for me. That was the first part. Now, 
he as a trainer is working with Kovalev, and he is basically feeding the information to everyone on the circuit about how to beat his own fighter. Who does that? What trainer does that? It makes no sense. And and all he does is quibble and cry and complain, um, excuse the expression, like a little bitch. And I'm sick and tired of it, actually, to tell you the truth. And um, when we fought, when we fought Arias, once again, Sammy was the better athlete. He came up with every song and dance that he could find in that little biscuit head of his, and <laughs> I'm sick of it. My God. Well, you know, you brought up the Cur- you brought up the Curtis Stevens fight. I'm going to take it a little further back. He did the same thing to Brian Jennings. When Brian Jennings got knocked out by Luis Ortiz, you know, you saw him over there in the corner just chilling. And I was like, what trainer, you know, would just let that man get knocked out and not jump in the ring, right? I mean, that's what he did with Curtis, too. I agree. Uh, who does I mean, even, even if I, I don't care if I work with a guy the very same night, if they say, Andre, could you work my corner tonight? If something happens to that athlete, I'm going to be concerned because they at least wanted me to be there so they had enough trust and confidence in me to be in, in their corner. I'm going to make sure they're all right. Now, for somebody to just sit there and look like they're in a stupor, it, it makes no sense to me. Really. He's he at the bottom of the list when it comes to trainers for me at this point in time. And uh, I, literally, I mean, this, the actions are horrendous, horrible, shows no class, no, no dignity, and no concern for the athletes that are boxing and making you some money. Well, so, you know, his biggest thing was about, you know, Danny coming in like a cruiserweight. How big was Danny that night? Because he didn't get on the scale, so we really don't know. I mean, how big was he? Danny weighed 173 pounds when we had finished up, before we actually went in. So we said jump, but we were just fooling around in the ring. So he was 173. Mm-hmm. He was nowhere near 180, 190. I mean, come on now. This guy, I mean, just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Wow. Well, uh, I have a question, though. For the Arias fight, Danny looked good. He looked sharp. It was almost like school was in session. You know, I don't know if Arias' foot that was flaming, you know, would have made a difference in that fight if it wasn't on fire. Um, but why didn't you guys go back to Oakland to train for this fight? You guys had went to Virgil Hunter and out in Oakland when you fought Golovkin. All right. Well, we went to – well, Virgil and I are really, really tight. Uh, he's, I call him my big brother, and mm-hmm. um, we wanted a little change of scenery, but I thought it would be good for Danny to be in the atmosphere of Andre Ward, Murdo, uh, Amir Khan, just because these guys have all been there, and even if they're not there now, except for maybe Andre Ward, it was, a, it was just a, a good atmosphere to begin with. And... Uh, just as I expected, it was. You know, Danny was really, really on a high about sitting down and talking with Andre Ward, and and for the you know for the moments that we were actually in the circle of it, it was great for Danny. And then we got down to the uh, nuts and bolts, and we were at Victor Conti's uh, snack gym, and we mm-hmm. turned the fire up all the way, and we got to burning it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Looking at your That's, looking at your fighters, Andre. Let's talk about. I'm sorry, RB. Did you want to follow up on that? I got well, so excited I, that I'm like, I want to talk I about. I know. The stable. I know. Well, yeah. Before we get into the stable, though, I wanted to a couple more things about Danny Jacobs. He made this really big boss move to HBO this year. He signed with Eddie Hearn. Let's be honest. We do not see a lot of Al Heyman fighters kind of man up, boss up, and make moves like that so silently. You know, that's just a fact. That's not shade. Did you consult with Danny about this? Were you all on board about it? I mean, were you, like, thinking that this was a great opportunity for him? Well, let me tell you, uh, Danny and I uh, are super close. You know, I call Danny Mm -hmm. my son, and um, 
basically that I live my life taking care of him like he is my son. I try to make sure that he makes wise decisions and we talk about these things. And Danny so far has done a fantastic job with uh, making the right choices. Mm-hmm. And when it came to what we were talking about initially with uh, making a change, Danny was behind the eight ball a bit, and we wanted to work more. Danny, Danny is a young man who came back from fighting a very, very demonstrative cancer. And mm-hmm. at one point, we almost lost him. So in my mind, I always think, listen, we have to take advantage of every moment that we get because you can never tell. Oh, Danny is back on track, but one can never tell. Tomorrow, God forbid, we might be revisited by the monster again. So we have to do everything we can possible to keep his career progressing. And literally, this was a move that will have us in a position where we know when he's fighting, who he's fighting, what he's getting for his fight. It's a it's an all around better world. Speaking of his career progressing and moving forward, as we look back at the fight against uh, Triple G, there are a lot of people who believe that he won that fight. Have you sent, since that fight happened? Have you rewatched it? Did you rescore? What were your thoughts on the fight if you did rewatch it? Oh, I've watched that fight about a hundred times. I would say a million, but you know, people kill. It's been about a hundred times I watched fight over and over again and uh, each time I watch it me being his trainer I'm looking for things that we could have done better so my my overall view in in studying the fight is to make adjustments but nonetheless I still thought that Danny did enough to garner a win but I'm not a judge I'm just a trainer and, uh, and of course, I'm a biased trainer because I'm talking about my fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I still thought he, he did enough in that fight to win. So, and hence saying that, if and when we do get the chance to once again uh, straddle those ropes and meet Triple G in the ring again, I'll make sure that Anything that we didn't do, we will do, and he will end up victorious in the uh, second bout. All right. Well, moving back forth, then, let's talk about your current stable. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I'll be heading out to Kotal Media Workout Day today in Los Angeles. So I'll ask you about your your guy, Saddam Ali, who will be fighting against Kotal in his last fight at Madison Square Garden. What's the major key in training your your young men for these big stages? With this being Cotto's last fight, there are going to be so many eyes. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance and all these things focused on on Cotto. How do you mentally prepare Saddam for this bout or just big stages, period? Well, this one is an easy one because Saddam is the most laid-back kid on the planet. I'm, I mean, literally. It's like nothing bothers him. And all this, this is a moment, and, and, I'm try, and I try to express to him, how important the moment is. He says, look, I'm going to do what I have to do, and that's it. I'm just going to represent and win this fight. I said, okay, let's go. <laughs> that's all I need to do. <laughs> I like that attitude. But um, we know this is an extremely tough um, bout for Saddam. He has to move up in weight. That's the first thing. He's fighting Miguel Cotto, regardless if Cotto was 38, 39, 50, whatever it might be. It's still a very, very tough assignment. And um, I'm working on Saddam with the team for him to be very focused, to keep his eyes on his uh, opponent, and not to be in any one position long enough for anything drastic to happen. So we're creating the, the atmosphere for Saddam to be successful and uh, all we can do is take that to the bank and uh, on December 2nd, make sure that it's applied and and carried out and looking forward to Saddam being victorious in the bout. 
moving on to the next person I'd like to ask you about in your stable, Tandil Kurtzidzi, who was arrested in June on the RICO charges. Who called you to tell you he got arrested? When did you get that call? Actually, um, my brother from another mother, uh, who also advises a lot of the guys that I work with, uh, Keith Conley, he called me. I, let me tell you what happened that day. <laughs> we were about, it's always a story. <laughs> we yeah, about yes, to, we love it. We were about to go to England to train to get ready for the B.J. Saunders fight, which I honestly believe that his nickname to me is Suicide, so I'm going to refer to him Ooh. as Suicide in this uh, conversation. So Suicide is like, Coach, come to England so we can train. I was one day away from going to England to train him for this fight. And his visa came through. Now, I think this might have just been all the, uh, you know, the feds working it out. So I said, okay, I'm going to come pick you up at the airport. So I went to go pick him up at the airport, and he wasn't there. So I said, let me check the schedule. Flight was delayed. I said, all right, let me wait. The flight came in. He still wasn't there. So I said, well, what's going on? Uh, well, we don't know. He, he was he was on the flight when they left, so he should be here now. I said, well, I don't see him. And I waited for another hour. He never showed up. I'm going to go home. I went home, and I was uh, sitting down watching TV, and the TV was watching me, and I received a phone call. And it was Keith stating that uh, he heard that suicide got arrested. I said, arrested? For what? And he went through the issues, and then the information uh, was made uh, privy to everyone. And sure enough, it was uh, suicide being arrested on RICO charges and having him as an enforcer and this, that, and the other thing. Now, he's my fighter. He still is, and he's innocent until proven guilty. I don't know the who, what, where, why, and when. I think myself that he might have been caught up in a bad situation just by association. Unfortunately, these things happen sometimes. Yeah. But I'm hoping that he can get out. He'll be exonerated. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of time in the game. Every day is another day that you know, he's getting older. But I think and I hope that everything will work itself out and he will be freed and found innocent, and then we can get him back in the ring as soon as possible mm. because he's one of the most exciting guys I've ever seen fight. He, he's unorthodox, but he brings the pain, and, mm. and I just he was on to something. Yeah, he was definitely on to something there. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So <laughs> I'm, I'm have hoping you, have it you, works have out. You spoken, have you spoken to him at all? Or when you're with the feds, you, you can't make a phone call to your trainer? I mean, I don't know how that works. Have you spoken to him at all? No, I went to one of his court appearances, and uh, he saw me, and uh, we gave each other our secret wink. And uh, that's all we could actually do. We couldn't, con- mm-hmm. uh, we couldn't confer with each other. But uh, I think he was just happy to see me there. So I will be going once again in January to his next court appearance to follow up and see what's going on with his case. But I'm going to ride or die with him all the way through because he was not but good to me. And um, mm-hmm. he was one of my soldiers. And until they, they, they present enough information and evidence that states that uh, he has anything and to do with what they're charging with, he's going to be innocent in my eyes, and I'm there for him. What's going on? Well, let's talk about another fighter in your table and, and, and legality. What's going on with Chris Algieri? We knew that we know that Chris Algieri was having an issue with his uh, former promoter. And is he training? Is he making a comeback? What's going on? We know that he is working with Danny as a nutritionist. But what's going on with right. Chris Algieri, the fighter? Well, and Chris, you. Uh, well, Chris, I call Chris my Colombian-Italian nephew. <laughs> his mother's Colombian, his father's Italian. So that's my Colombian-Italian nephew, and I love Chris to death. He's one of the hardest-working kids I've ever put my hands on. I mean, you, don't have to tell, you have to tell him, slow it down. Let's slow mm-hmm. down. And I've never said that before. 
I'll, I'll work you like a racehorse and to your heart. Stop. Oh, let's go. But um, Chris will give you everything you ask for, and I enjoy training him immensely. And I'm looking forward to this legal situation that he has with Joe DeGuardia, the comfortable wishing, and he'll be free and clear of it, and he can resume his career. And he wants to be a world champion again, and we're going to look to make that happen at our earliest convenience and time. Just as soon as we get out of these legalities, we will be heading back to the boxing ring. I heard that. All right. Yeah, I follow, yeah, I follow Chris on Instagram, and he's always somewhere um, running. I saw he was running in Seattle, and he's running here, and he's working out there. Yeah, definitely a hard-working guy. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, he was Danny's nutritionist, but then he ended up being Danny's sparring partner, his running partner. I mean, this this like everything. What a great kid. I mean, literally. I don't say this about a lot of people, but that is one great kid. Hmm. That's good to hear. Um, so, look, we're going to wrap you up. We have this game that we like to play. It's called Spitfire, where we ask you some really quick questions, and you got to give us your one-two answer. It's like a really quick combination, the first thing that comes to your head. If you need to plead the fifth for whatever reason, you're allowed to plead the fifth. So, are you ready? I'm always ready. All right, one, two, here we go. Who is your favorite fighter to watch today? Bring down. All right. Who has been your hardest fighter to train? Oh, <laughs> my nephew, Curtis Stevens. <laughs> okay. I was going to tell you, keep it real, keep it real. Um, which trainer do you admire the most? The dear, my dearly departed uh, mentor, Emmanuel Stewart. Mm-hmm. Greatest fighter of all time? The Sugar Man, Sugar Ray Robinson. Who is the most technical fighter today in boxing? The most technical? The most technical? The technician, Sergei Dervinchenko. Hmm. If John David Jackson were to walk up to you today and try to shake your hand, what would you say to him? I would shake his hand and tell him about himself. <laughs> All right, last one. Who makes the hottest boxing outfits in the game? What? Havoc boxing <laughs> all the way, girl. <laughs> we are in the hurt business, and somebody going to get hurt up in here. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're going to send you a new sewing machine for your outfit that you make. Um, So I'll be messaging you for your address, get you that new sewing machine out there. Thank you so much for being a good sport and joining us on the Morning Punch-In show today. Anytime. I'm always here for you guys. You ladies, not you guys, but you're nowhere near guys. You're wonderful ladies. Thank you. you. Have a good one. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Oh, you too. All right. We'll take a quick commercial break, and we're going to wrap it up with the weekend fight schedule and call it a day. Are you an entrepreneur looking to find out where to start or develop a business plan? Are you looking to start a business or grow your business revenue? Are you a business owner that needs fresh new ideas or needs to solve challenges with strategy, marketing, or process? Red Beach Advisors is a management consulting group focused on helping entrepreneurs, startups, and companies build, grow, and scale. Contact Red Beach Advisors at info at redbeachadvisors.com or 424-247-6143. Red Beach Advisors helps companies build, grow, and scale through strategy, process, systems, and people. We are the experts. Contact us at 424-247-6143 or www.redbeachadvisors.com. Woo! Okay. Woohoo! That was a lot of fun with Andre Rosera. That was that no was a lot of doubt. fun. He was giving us everything. We calling him again. He got to come back. <laughs> All right, listen guys, I got some word on the curb that I want to dish for y'all today. Uh, Here we go. Mikey Garcia, his return is being targeted for January 27th on Showtime. Uh, Everybody's talking about the fight's going to be with Robert Easter, Robert Easter, Robert Easter. Well, that fight is not finalized. And another name that is being thrown around for Mikey Garcia is, drumroll, Omar Figueroa. 
That's where it only Mm-hmm. Adrian Broner versus Lipinet for the IBF 140-pound title. That's actually really in the works, y'all, and that is being targeted for March. There's some word on the curb. Also, strong, strong possibility that Terrence Crawford may be heading over to Australia when he fights Jeff Horn. You know, if Jeff Horn wins his upcoming fight here soon, the money is probably bigger over there. The offer is going to be bigger. And we all know that parents don't care about, you know, fighting all over the world. That's what world champions do. But don't be surprised if that fight does not happen in Vegas and it actually goes to Australia. Danny Garcia mm. versus Brandon Rios. That fight was supposed to happen in December. Well, that is not happening in December. And it might not even happen at all. So a couple okay. names being thrown around for Danny Garcia were Luis Colazzo, Um I don't think we're going to see Danny Garcia this month or in December. Expect to see him in early 2018 along with Brandon Rios with someone other than Danny Garcia. Jamel Mm. Herring might be leaving band camp and going to the right camp. Word on the curb is he may be switching trainers and he may be heading to Omaha. So that's the news on Jamel Herring. And Jose Benavidez is looking to get back into the ring. We might see him as early as the end of the year or top of 2018. He's been lost in the sauce since uh, getting the win over Francisco Santana on that Postal Crawford pay-per-view, and he's looking to get mm-hmm. back in the ring. So that's the word on the curve, Jay. Ooh, that was some good word on the curve. That was Jamel Herring to, to Omaha. That might be a nice, nice fit and some good talent around him to keep him motivated. I'm going to run through the rest of uh, my In Case You Missed It topics, and then RB's going to chime in with a few more. We left off with Katie Taylor. So here's some more. The wheels are turning for Sor Rung Visai versus Estrada. I know that's an anticipated fight. We've been enjoying the Superfly cards. Shout out to K2. It's possible that fight could take place on February 24th. Negotiations are going strong, but still not officially finalized, according to Dan Raphael of ESPN. That fight could land at either Los Angeles or Vegas. Los Angeles is always a better fit for those kind of cards. But where does it go? Maybe the form, because it's going to be too cold for the sub hub. Also, in Luis Ortiz news, as you know, he tested positive for a banned substance before the fight against Deontay Wilder. And it looks like the WBC won't be suspending him, and he won't lose his number three WBC ranking. The WBA will be upholding their year-long suspension, and they have stripped him of his mandatory challenger position to the title, but the WBC, who are advocates of clean sports, won't be suspending him. They are believing his story that it was his medically uh, prescription um, blood pressure medicine. So what's the point of VADA if there isn't punishment for those who fail tests? It's a banned substance, period. And he gets to keep going. So look for Luis Ortiz to be returning to the ring eventually, just it won't be in a WBA-sanctioned fight. We previously reported that Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. would be returning to the ring on January 26th, and they didn't have an opponent for him yet. But it looks like the opponent is, drumroll, Alfredo and Gulo. So they are looking to put Alfredo and Gulo in the ring with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. at the super middleweight limit of 168 pounds. My God, I don't even know what to make of that matchup. I I don't even know. We're going to leave that be for now. I mean, do you like that matchup, Arby? No, but you know what? We've seen Julio Cesar Chavez do this before where he announces his next fight before the ink has even dried. He's announcing the network, the date, the venue, the opponent – and it never really comes to fruition. This is the one time where I hope that this does not come to fruition. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Alfredo. Oh, Lord. Anyway, so moving on. Congratulations to Zolani Tete. Not only for winning in decisive killer fashion over the weekend, but by landing a 11-second first-round knockout over Siboniso Gonya. That is the quickest knockout in boxing history. So congratulations to Zolana Tete. If you haven't seen this knockout, just hit Twitter, type in Tete, Zolani Tete, and you will get all 11 seconds of it. 
you could put like four fights on Instagram if they all were 11 seconds. So right. I'm going to swing it over to RB. What you got in, in case you missed the news? All right. I'm going to zip right through this. Oscar De La Hoya called out Conor McGregor on the Tattoo oh, and the Crew show last week. And Oscar stated that he was secretly training, that he wants to come out of retirement, that he would for McGregor. Um, you know, isn't this the same Oscar who called Mayweather McGregor a circus? It was a mockery. Yes. It was a disgrace. I mean, he even wrote a letter wrote pleading a letter. to the boxing fans mm-hmm. to ignore the fight. So, ah, okay. Canelo wants to return Cinco de Mayo weekend. Not before, not after. He wants to come back Cinco de Mayo weekend. Negotiations are still ongoing for the rematch with Golovkin. Eric Gomez, the president of Golden Boy, told Steve Kim that the venue is still up in the air. Dallas Cowboys uh, owner Jerry Jones is still interested. The Madison Square Garden wants to meet. They all seem serious, but let's be real. It's going to be really hard to compete with Las Vegas. Their money, their amenities, their resources, the gambling, the entertainment. I mean, there is nowhere like Vegas. Nobody really has money like them. So, I'm, I'm putting my money on that it goes back to Las Vegas. Uh, Deontay Wilder says, yeah, Deontay Wilder says that he would still entertain a fight with Luis Ortiz, even though he popped 30. Uh, I don't really think that Deontay Wilder wants to give Dominic Brazil a payday. I think that that altercation that happened between them back in February, you know, Brazil put a lawsuit on Wilder. I don't really think Wilder wants to, you know, take a tune up with this guy. He'd rather entertain. Yeah you know, a fight with a guy who's top 30 twice. So I was surprised by that. Uh, We told you a couple weeks ago during Word on the Curb that Adonis Stevenson was set to return in January and that he was most likely going to fight Badu Jack. Well, we should have known it was too good to be true. His return (laughs) has been postponed. Apparently there's been some conflicts in the schedule between Showtime and PBC, so we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to see Adonis Stevenson back in the ring. Anyway, a couple fights that were made this past week, the Gale versus Truax on December 9th. Uh, Shavikov versus Alvarado has been added to the HBO's Latino card on December 9th. Diego De La Hoya versus Jose Salgado on December 4th. This is his fifth fight this year. They're keeping Diego pretty busy. Uh, Jesse Vargas versus Aaron Herrera, which we gave you that word on the curb that was formally announced for December 15th. And Gilberto Ramirez versus Habib Ahmed has been for February 3rd on ESPN. And that's all I got, Jay. All right. And closing out with the weekend fight schedule, this week, Tuesday on Fox Sports 1, we've got Devin Alexander versus Walter Castillo. If you have some time, check out Kevin Ioli's story on Yahoo Sports. I had no idea Devin Alexander was in rehab and had an addiction, an opioid addiction. It's a very, very interesting article, so if you have some time, check that out on Yahoo Sports. And on Saturday, of course, Sergey Kovalev versus Vyacheslav Shabransky. But even more importantly, on Thursday, I'm going to go 10 rounds with a honey-baked ham, so make sure you tune in to Instagram for that fight. And that's the weekend fight schedule. All right. Today's show is brought to you by the BoxingInsider.com, John Francis Agency, Porter High Performance Center, and NationwideAutoWarranties.com. Make sure you check us out. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. Check out BadCulture.net, RagingBabe.com. We'll talk to you guys next Monday right here at the Morning Punch-In Show. Have a good week. <laughs>